is this brief, mortal life, if not the pursuit of legacy? Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. You are now in the south side of Westeros. Beware. No secrets are safe. Enter. Well, hello and welcome back. Gosh, I miss you. Every week I miss you, but every week you make my day. It's Deep Hall again, your master of whispers, and I thank you for coming back to another episode of Southside Westeros. I, I got you. I know you keep saying D. You said you were taking a break. I'm a workaholic. I am. I'm a workaholic. I hope you, uh, continuing to enjoy that new intro gotten some positive feedback on that thank you i appreciate it i i I went back and forth on uh what i wanted to say on it but i i had a whole lot i was saying like i got to the point it took me a few hours because i kept i kept uh trying to fit in a whole bunch of words a bunch of words a bunch of words 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 with friends but uh less was more and that was awesome. Less was more, and I, I truly appreciated that. And I appreciate the love. You fine folks always give me great feedback. And even when the feedback is not um, positive, it is constructive, and I appreciate that as well. We are counting down. We are right around the corner from a House of the Dragon 821, and I have a lot of things going on in the background as far as for the YouTube and uh, getting some panel discussions and some group fun going on and just wanting to enjoy the experience without being overwhelmed. But I still get inspired and my inspiration is coming these days because I'm having a lot of just regular conversations, not necessarily related to the podcast, but just Game of Thrones conversations. And and in a recent conversation, this is what brought me to the subject for today, which is Benjen Stark. Uncle Benjen. Uncle Benjen Stark, the first ranger of the Night's Watch. I loved this character, I, I've said it all the time. Yes, I love all the characters. I love all, but I liked, I liked Benjamin. I thought they gave you just enough. As always, there's, there are major and minor differences between the character that was presented on screen and the character that's pre- presented on the pages of the book. But while you could have squeezed so much more out of any character, if they had done this as we wanted them to, this would have been a 40 year, <laughs> a 40 to 50 year show. Uh, it'd be like, uh, what's that, 60 minutes that's still coming on? It had been going on too long. We'd have watched it, it'd have been a, just a long soap opera. Uh, but Benjamin, uh, there were a few things that I always noticed about Benjamin and a few theories I had even prior to even considering doing a podcast 
but we're going to get into that. Uh, Benjen appeared in season one, of course. Uh, you saw that. And we've spoken on that. Season six and season seven. But he's referenced in others. And we're going to go over that. Now, this Benjen, he, he spent a shorter amount of time than most of the characters we discuss, but his impact was great nonetheless. So his background, Benjen um, is the youngest child and third son of Lord Rickard Stark the head of House Stark, and the Lord Paramount of the North. They're big on all of these uh, titles. And they're, it's, it, it's intricate, uh, but it's valid and it needs to be pointed out because it shows that the Starks are a prominent family, even though they're amongst the savages of the North. They are from prominence. So their name not only carries weight in the mystical realm, uh, in terms of what they did for a Game of Thrones, but also just in your day-to-day life. If you are a Stark, you are viewed as being of a higher station. Now, even though it's a constituent region of the Seven Kingdoms and the House of Stark is one of the great houses of the realm, the rule they rule the region of Winterfell. They're still considered gruff and 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 rough by southerners really um and benjen being the youngest he he was the odd man out uh, brendan was was the guy he was going to be the man and ned was going to be his right hand so Benjen was the little brother and he was left out, kind of like Renly Baratheon, left to his own devices. Um, almost, and, and even though they were in the North, you, you could imagine that he, he had a life of relative ease and luxury. Having Brendan and, and Ned as your two older brothers, you know, it's very similar to Bran and, um, Rickon. You got these these larger than life older brothers who, if anything happens, they're going to handle it and they're going to handle it first and they're going to handle it rough because they have a name to carry and they have a reputation to uphold. The same way you had as having an older brother like Rob and, and John, even though John was a bastard, John was pretty good with those hands. And so was Rob and Rob was better than him. And then you even had Theon hanging around there. So you have these these larger than life characters ahead of you. You you don't have to really handle too much, and you're pretty much just chilling. And I could imagine that Brendan Stark and Benjen would have connected more, and maybe that would have been later on if we could have seen that relationship prosper. But it ended up that John was the one that he connected with the most. And and we're going to get into the reasons why um, shortly. Now, Benjamin, being the younger brother of Brendan, Eddard, and Leanna, Rickard, Brandon, and Leanna were all killed in Robert's Rebellion. Now, Ned inherited his father's titles and responsibility. Now, at this point, this would have been where Brendan, Benjen 
would have stepped up. This would have been where Benjamin should have joined the family business. And one would wonder why he didn't. But I would think because Benjamin actually was very close to Leanna. And because of that, I believe that Benjamin knew that Robert's rebellion was a farce and a fraud. I mean, I'm sure he knew because Ned knew the whole. The, again, like I said, I, I feel the family. They know Leanna. They knew her and they knew what was going on and they knew that she. She couldn't have been a captor of Rhaegar because she really loved him. And and because of that, the family let their guard down. So when Benjamin had the choice to jump up and join his brother in the Civil War, he instead chose to join the Night's Watch. Now, the Night's Watch, for those of you who may not have watched the show and you're just listening for the first time, it's a military force which patrols the wall and guards the northern border of the Seven Kingdoms. Now, Benjamin, just like John, had the benefit of not only being around Starks and these lords and late, but but he would have been trained by the master of arms. He would have been trained by the Grand Maester and he would have learned all of the things that would help him be successful with the benefit of looking at things from a younger brother's perspective. Still being part of it. So not necessarily going through what John went through, but being a younger brother, you got to watch things transpire. You're watching arguments. You're watching uh, adults talk about how to solve certain disagreements that lords may be having with each other or how to manage or even manipulate those who are under you. But while not really having that power because there are two brothers over you as well as a female. So you would imagine that he would use the skills he learned as far as protecting himself and his skills in diplomacy to rise to the rank of first ranger relatively quickly. Now, now he couldn't have just manipulated his way into a first ranger position. He had to fight for that. And he had to also have the backing of his brothers of the Night's Watch. But let's get into season one. Benjamin travels south from the wall to attend the feast, welcoming King Robert Baratheon to Winterfell. He brings news about strange events beyond the wall. Now, again, I, I want to point out that Benjamin, I don't know, we didn't get full confirmation of this, but I don't believe he was a backer of Robert. So he didn't come down here to, hey, Robert, how you doing? He probably hated Robert. And I'll tell you why, because he was the little brother and Robert was probably a prick. Probably harassed him and kicked him and he was always drunk and rough. You know, they probably pushed him around and stuff. So he probably didn't even like him. 
but he came down to bring news about strange events that were happening beyond the wall. This is when we start getting the, the, the inklings of the wildlings and, 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 and the whites and, and, and the walkers and all that good stuff, right? Now, Benjamin tells Ned that that young Night's Watch deserter that he killed earlier was a good and a loyal man who would not have deserted his post lightly. Here's the thing. Benjamin is an is a ranger. He's not just a ranger. He's first ranger. A position of high honor. So he spends a lot of time north of the wall. And these rangers and the Night's Watch have to have these places that these that they can hide out and they can retool, their horses can rest, they can get food, they can get water. They have to know this because they spend weeks and sometimes months out there. So one would believe that at some point you've come in contact with something mystical. Maybe not a giant, you know, maybe not an ogre or whatever the case may be, but I'm sure you've seen the children at some point because you and your order hold the weirwood trees sacred. See, the Night's Watch always struck me as knowing more than they would have. When when everything fell after Mormont died, uh, what I feel is that one commander kind of gives this knowledge to the next commander, kind of like how the president gives the 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 newer president, some information. I, I think the same thing happens here. So I would believe that the higher ups in the night's watch were in contact with the children or a representative of the children. And this is how they understood what was coming. They knew what was coming and they sent Benjamin. Now remember it takes weeks and weeks to get from the wall to Winterfeld. So, so we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, we got to look at that, that, that how long it took for that deserter to even get there and how long it took Benjamin to get there after that guy deserted. So there were conversations that were happening simultaneously from the desertion. You understand? So, but it's at this point that John asked to join the night watch. Despite Benjamin trying to tell him not to, it's a hard life. But Ned, when Ned agrees to be the hand, um, Benjamin then accompanies them and, and pretty much agrees to take John. Now, do we think that Benjamin knew what John's future held? I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't even think the children really knew. The Three-Eye Raven? Maybe. Because from what we can see, the Three-Eyed Raven doesn't know everything. The Three-Eyed Raven sees, I, I think the, the Three-Eyed Raven, when they enter into, it's like studying. So if you have a guide like Brandon, then they can take you to certain events and show you things. But if you're just a Three-Eyed Raven, just hanging out, allowing you know roots to go, you're just studying. You're just like in these trances and you're going through history, learning things. So I, I don't think they knew what John was. I think Benjamin's apprehension 
of that life was because when he looked at John, I think he saw Leanna. And when they give you an indication of this, when Bran uh, saw Leanna and Benjamin playing as children, I, I believe Benjamin was very close to Leanna. Being the youngest, they all were charged to take care of, protect him. But you would imagine that Leanna, that was like her son. That was her baby. She probably nursed him and took care of him, protected him, fed him. She loved him. And he would have loved her not only as his sister, but almost like a mother figure. Again, I'm going to bring back what I talk about. It's that 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 maternal figure, that softness. George is telling you something and he's showing you it's that mother earth, mother nature, the womb, the universal womb that feeds you. It's that softness. They hold that dear and in high regard. And I felt that he, when he looked at John, he didn't want him to live that life because he wanted him to, he wanted him to have children. He wanted to be able to see Leanna in John's children because he knew, he knew that John was not a bastard. He knew that was Leanna's daughter. His brother would have told him. And even if his brother wouldn't have told him, he would have known that Leanna was pregnant because that's her little brother. And they were very close. Just saying, just saying, but John is insistent. So he figures, Hey, I might as well take him with me because at least I can watch him. Now, John goes through his whole thing where he gets up there and realizes the watch isn't as noble as it is presented. Um, But Benjamin tries to tell John that, you know, just take your time. But he explains to him that I'm going north on ranging. John wants to go, of course, but Benjamin tells him he's not ready. And he cautions him. That, that John, I, I try to tell you, you only get what you earn here. This isn't sweet. This isn't Winterfell. And, and I, I pointed that out in, in the Jon Snow podcast where John, you feel sorry for him. Oh, he's a bastard and all that. But he still grew up a rich kid. Oh, he couldn't go to dinners and he wasn't allowed, afforded these frivolous things. But he ate the best. He trained the best. He wore the best. He looked the best. He had everything that they had other than a title. You see, you got to be careful where these showrunners lead you because they lead you into crap sometimes, into really feeling sorry for these people. And you're like, hey, I get it. I get all wah, wah, you know, but, and I'm not saying that John's a great character. It's just that we're seeing the imbalance here and you're, you're seeing how John, so, so Benjamin as a full-fledged son was able to go through this prior to John going through this. And he's able to tell John, Hey, it isn't as cracked up as, as it's, as you think it is, it can be good and rewarding, but you got to do what you got to do. You got to go through the steps. You're not entitled by anything. Even a bastard had birthrights in Winterfell. Now, Benjamin says his farewell. To John and to his friend Urin. And um, he also exchanges words with Tyrion. Uh, which I found a little interesting. They, I, I felt. Um, <sighs> Benjamin felt that Tyrion holds the watch in disregard. Despite what Tyrion is saying outwardly. And I, I do believe that. And I believe that the redemption that 
these men. We've talked about Tyrion wanting to be around the pimps, pushers, and the drug dealers because he likes them looking up to him. I believe here no one's going to look up to your money because it doesn't mean anything. Money serves us no purpose here. You earn what you get. So these men looking at a man like Tyrion would hold him in disgust because you wouldn't earn anything up here in our eyes. Well, maybe he could. Now, of course, days later, Benjen horse, Benjen's horse returns to Castle Black, but there's no sign of him. And shortly afterwards, two of the rangers who accompanied Benjen, Othar and Jafar Flowers, are found dead in the forest just beyond the wall. They're brought back to Castle Black for Maester Eamon to study, but in the middle of the night, as we saw, they reanimate into whites. Both are killed again and their bodies are burned. And this is when Gior Mormont vows to take the watch beyond the wall in force to investigate what's going on and promises John that they will find his uncle Benjen dead or alive. Now, in season two, during the great ranging beyond the wall, Mormont and his men stop at Crastus's keep, where Mormont tells the wildling Crasher that Benjen has... Uh, has said he planned to stop there on his way to the Frostfangs. Craster, in his gruff voice, replies that he hasn't seen Benjen for three years and hasn't missed him, saying that Benjen always treated him like scum. And his nephew was the same. Now, we push back to season five, forward, not back, weird. And uh, John, who has now been elected as Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, ends up alienating most of his fellow brothers when he brings back several thousand wildlings that were driven away from Hardhome and allows them to safely pass through Castle Black. His personal steward, Ollie, lures him into a trap by claiming one of the wildlings that he brought back says he knows Benjen. This is when Benjen is um, mentioned, and then, of course, they stab John. Now, we don't see Benjen until season six, when he appears in a vision experienced by Bran, which is what I talked, spoke of earlier. And he's shown training with Ned under a young Roderick Kessel in the courtyard of Winterfell. Though his skills are vastly inferior to Ned's, Lyanna appears and playfully teases Benjen about not having a sparring partner after Ned goes and suggests that Willis take up swordplay. Benjen almost has a match with him, but he is led away by old Nan. She's always there. Um, Benjen is seen later in another of Bran's visions saying goodbye to Ned shortly before the latter heads off to the Vale. Now, beyond the wall, when Bran and... Mary Reed are being chased by an army of whites. That's when we see the hooded figure with a concealed face arrive atop a horse, wielding a flaming chain, which he used to burn the whites and rescue them. When the whites become too many to fight off, he pulls Bran and Mira onto the horse and rides away. The next day, the hooded man feeds Bran the blood of a dead rabbit and says he arrived to help because the three-eyed raven requested it. Now, when questioned on his identity, he pulls down his scarf and hood, 
revealing himself to be, in fact, Uncle Benjamin, and explains that during that ranging beyond the wall, he was attacked by white walkers, one of whom shoved the ice sword into his gut and left him for dead. Interesting. But the children found him, and they stopped him by shoving dragonglass in his chest. Now, Benjamin eventually escorts Bran and Mira to the weirwood tree near the wall. And that's when Mira asks him why he cannot travel any further. But Benjamin explains that spells carved into the foundation of, wall, of the wall prevent the dead from passing through it. But he also must continue the fight for the living as long as he can. And then he departs. Now, season seven, of course, when John, who was left beyond the wall by his group, is about to be swarmed and killed, Uncle Benjamin suddenly comes in riding at the last moment, slaying whites from his horse. Where he stops in front of John, he jumps off his horse and removes the scarf from his head, revealing his survival to a stunned John and to save him. He heaves him onto his horse and orders him to ride back to the wall. John asks Benjamin to come with him, but Benjamin refuses. Instead, sending off the horse and drawing his flaming morning sword to make his final stand. And as the whites swarm him, Benjamin fights back. They swarm him. And he fights back. But he's overwhelmed and what we presume to be killed by the army of the dead. And that is the story of Uncle Benjamin. Not much more than you you knew. I'm sure most of you are well-versed in this and knew everything I said, but I, I do believe that Benjamin was in contact with the children of the forest previously. I don't think they just came upon him and decided to save him. The children don't seem like they would do that. They are weary of man. So I don't think they would just arbitrarily bring back a ranger. I think they knew Benjamin and he knew his heart and they knew the Stark clan. The Starks go back a long way, and I hope they go into that in House of the Dragon. So I believe Benjen was in contact with the with the uh, children or Gior Mormont, the Lord Commander, and most of the Lord Commanders at some point did speak, just like they had these uneasy alliances with Crastus and these wildlings. I think they had an alliance or an allegiance with the children of the forest and Benjamin, certain rangers were given that knowledge. I don't think Sir Alistair had that knowledge because he wasn't worthy of it, but certain rangers remember these are, these are wretched men, most of them, but a, a guy like, like Benjamin, of course the children would have accepted him immediately. That's why they were there to save him and not let him die. So that that's the big reveal I had for them personally. I, I felt that that Benjamin knew the children. He had more knowledge. He knew who John was. He he understood that. I, I think uh, he was friends with Rhaegar. So most of you may have known that, but some of you may not have. And it's just another way to look at another character on Game of Thrones. 
But Uncle Benjamin is, is one of my favorites, and, and we could have gotten more. We didn't, but what we did get, I appreciated. But thank you again, folks. I, I hope you enjoyed it. This is a small one, and I just want to keep us in touch. We only got a few more weeks. It's coming. Keep an eye on that YouTube channel. I'm going to be throwing out content like, I don't know, just like a rabbit, I guess. I'm just going to be throwing out content. And we're going to have people visiting, talking, and, and I want you to check them out, too. But as always, Valamagoulis, Valadohiris. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Southside Westeros. We look forward to you coming back and visiting us again. If you want to email us, you can reach us at southsidewesteros at gmail.com. You can also reach us at Southside Westeros at both Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch. We're SS Westeros at Cup of Coffee and Twitter. If you want to donate to the program to keep getting this great content, please donate to our Patreon or our cash app, both are Southside Westeros. Valodoharas. And may the mother bring seven blessings to you all. Thank you.